I need to get him on. Um, yeah. I had on. I got a couple other guys still that I'll get for you um, that we've talked about. Uh, let's just kind of wait till things get going here, but I'll give Rusty on for sure ASAP. That would be badass, dude. The other guys we talked about, David and uh, those other guys, you know, as things get going along, he'll bring them in. So. Beautiful. Yeah, I had on an EOD guy last summer who I think worked for the Secret Service. And yeah. he just, you know, he started just casually talking because we were talking. No, this was two summers ago. This was 2020. And we were just like casually talking about like it was right after George Floyd shit. And he was like, I'm surprised I haven't seen any bombs. And I was like, yeah, it's a good point. And then he just started talking about like how to build the bombs. And I was like, dude, I, I'm going to get banned for one of a million reasons. For me. This is back when I thought they weren't going to ban me. He's like, I'm, I think he was kind of drinking. He was like, honestly, man, you just go to Home Depot, get some acetone, get some. I was like, all right, well, I guess we're doing this. So, um, but uh, for everybody listening, Dale Comstock. OGA, which we can't talk about. We can, we can, we can't talk about. Youngest ever member of Delta Force. Um, we've gone through your story a million times. Uh, American Badass, obviously, as always, will be in the description. Dale and I have done, I mean, I think over 50 episodes. First ever episode with Dale was episode 50. And we've probably done about 50 since then. But as opposed to regaling stories about all the other badass shit you've done, um, I want to talk about today what you've been doing out in really California, I guess New Orleans, some of it. But um, <coughs> real quick for all the new listeners, Dale, tell them who you are. Don't let me uh, don't let me water down your achievements. Uh, yeah, who am I? Um, all right, so a little bit of background history about myself. Um, I grew up in the military. My father was in the army for twenty years. Uh, I spent most of my childhood growing up in Germany. Um, my mother's German. Ended up. Uh, and living in uh, Fort Huachuca, um, Arizona, where my father retired. And then we moved to uh, uh, San Francisco Bay Area, uh, actually Fremont, California. So um, that was my first exposure to the civilian culture outside the military culture. And I didn't like it. Um, kids were different, you know, from the military kids, hands down. And, uh, you know, what I mean by example, for example, what I mean by that is, you know, in the military, if you're on a on a post, even in Germany at a concern or something like that, you know, uh, even the housing areas we lived in, when uh, they retreat, uh, retreated the flag in the evening at five o'clock and, the, and they played the retreat on the bugle, um, everybody would stop, including the kids, whatever we were doing, put our hands on our chest, you know, across our heart and uh, watch, uh, you know, brought the flag down <clears throat> and cars would stop, all the military vehicles, everybody's civilians would all stop, get out of the vehicle and render salute our hands on your head uh going to the movie theater you know when we watched the movie it was the same thing they played a national anthem everybody stood up in the movie theater put their hand across their heart that's kind of how i grew up that's the military culture i grew up in and so when my dad retired we ended up in uh in fremont in the bay area san francisco and i went to school with all these civilian kids that uh just didn't seem like <laughs> i mean yeah they were kids or teenagers but uh you know this was high school at that time but uh there was just something I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was different. So I ended up going to the Army in 1981 and um, ended up in the 82nd Airborne Division. I was an infantry company for about a year. Then I ended up in the Long Range Reconnaissance Platoon. And then from there, on my first uh, four-year enlistment, I decided uh, to uh, re-enlist with the goal of making it to the Delta Force. I did. Um, 
I was the youngest guy ever at that time at the age of 23 to get selected. The average age was 33 uh, of my class of 110. Six of us completed the course, three of us got selected. And that only happens twice a year if they run that course. Um, and so I did uh, almost 10 years there as a team leader, uh, breacher, uh, troop sergeant, and uh, acting troop commander for a while as well as an instructor. And then I moved over to 3rd Special Forces Group. I was a Green Beret. Um, I had an ODA, not an ODA, ODA 394 at the time. Um, and I just a little bit of company ops time uh, at the group level. So I was a group assistant operations NCO. So I got a little bit of, you know, a little desk time there for a minute. And then I went back down, took the A team, and then uh, I managed the A team until I retired. And I actually got out of the Army in 2001, pre-9-11, just about a month pre-9-11. And had already finished my master's degree in uh, business and organizational security management. And then, uh, boom, the door swung wide open with 9-11. So I had, uh, I had made a lot of money, got into the nuclear industry, you know, um, providing security services. And uh, at one point, I was the only company in the nuclear security sector. <clears throat> there was 100, uh, there was 64 nuclear power plants, 117 reactors. And I remember servicing at least 42 of those on a consistent basis. I had no competition. The co- one guy that was my competitor at one company, they basically cut their own throat. Uh, when 9-11 happened, they got on CNN. And uh, the guy just threw the industry under the bus. He was, yeah, you know, nuclear power plants, security guards, or, you know, used car salesman and grandma, you know. <laughs> and man, they, man, they chopped him away like, like that. And so they called me up. And I went up to Chicago. Uh, it was Exelon um, no, Nuclear Power or Nuclear Energy that was, um, you know, my first client. And then actually the first client through Exelon was Three Mile Island. That was my first company that I addressed. So, <clears throat> and that just kind of just took off from there. So 2004, the company was sold to G4S Wackenhut. Um, by that time, I'd already been recruited by the other government agency. And uh, so I was kind of doing both concurrently. And what I thought was going to be a one-year stint with the government just to check that block turned out to be another uh, nine and a half years with them. So, um, and it wasn't until roughly 2011, I was, no pun intended, discovered by Discovery Channel. And I ended up on a TV show called Woman Army. That led to NBC contacting me, asking me to be on a show, uh, uh, a reality show called Stars and Stripes, where I ended up being paired up with Terry Crews. And, uh, and that ended up with people surrounding me. Uh, I ended up with a management team, became part of a production company, kind of became the poster boy for the production company. And then, um, you know, from there, you know, did that for a few years. And then I ended up in Hong Kong running a security company, not running a security, running a security detail or part of a security detail for a multi-billionaire investment banker, which is where I met my wife. And then, uh, long story short, ended up in Indonesia, Jakarta, um, got to know some people. Actually, I saw a business opportunity over there, didn't really know anybody. So what I did is I got on Facebook and I joined uh, a Facebook page called Tactical Indonesia. I said, hey, everybody, I'm Dale Comstock. Here's a book I got. I wrote, you know, just want to network. And that turned into me meeting a lot of people um, to include uh, another, uh, another billionaire, and uh, we became business partners, started my security company over there. Well, he and I started a security company. And then, uh, you know, basically it worked out for him. Uh, he owes me $450,000. And, uh, and yeah, and I'm not going to call names and things like that. But uh, anyways, you know, they took advantage of me because I'm the expat. And uh, <clears throat> so anyways, I ended up 
pulling stakes. Um, my wife and I went to Bali four, four and a half years ago. We started a company there and we were very successful at that. Um, we have a canine security company in Bali. So uh, interesting thing about meeting um, these people through Facebook many years ago was that uh, yesterday, last night, I actually didn't realize it, but my business, my Canadian business partner over there met one of the first guys I had met who was an architect. He and his wife were architects and they actually invited my wife and out for dinner. And uh, somehow they married up and it, and it turns out, hey, I know Ogie, the guy's name's Ogie. He goes, hey, I know this guy, American badass. He's famous over here. And so <laughs> my partner was like, that's my partner. And, and one thing led to another. It turns out this guy owns a manufacturing company. Um, and so they've been, you know, discussing uh, manufacturing products and building products, which I happen to have. And so, but here we go. Um, starting to see a little business deal. So I'm going to go back uh, next month and uh, see where that uh, where that takes us. But uh, it's all about networking. So that's kind of my life in short. Um, did a lot of other stuff in between. You know, we've talked about this before. My mercenary work, Yemen. Um, you know, my background in martial arts and book writing. And I do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats, just depending on what day of the week it is. So like today, we're going to get done here and I'm going to go out and uh, I have a a dog that I'm training, Malinois, and I'm training to find money and narcotics. Uh, I'm actually going to do some bite work today and I need my personal dog, but I'm also flipping dogs, training dogs and uh, selling them for quite a bit of money. Um, You know, I could train a dog in 60 to 90 days, and turn around and sell them for twenty, thirty thousand dollars. And so, um, yeah. I have a partner here also. I got a lot of business partners everywhere. Uh, so say, it just, just depends on what we're doing. The little, doing things, the little things Dale leaves out: black belt, <clears throat> professional boxer, gold medalist, uh, uh, bodybuilder, author, actor, PhD, flips dogs. Just, just some, just some stuff. Because joining Delta Force at twenty three wasn't enough. And uh, that's Dale Comstock in a nutshell, which is why I like to have you introduce yourself. But for like what you've been doing lately, can you kind of just explain, I guess, you know, what you see as the important points or the important summaries of uh, the work you did, I believe, in San Francisco and New Orleans? Really, and for future listeners, today is uh, Sunday, February 6, 2022. We, you've all seen the videos of the looting of the, you know, you can't get charged if it's less than $900. You have AOC saying the reason why people are stealing is so they can get bread. But then you have videos and it's people going in and stealing Gucci and Louis Vuitton and iPhones. And no one's allowed to do anything. And you see pictures of security guards just kind of standing there. They can't fucking do anything. But you have uh, local political offices and I guess seats of power saying, you know, we're not going to prosecute this. We're not going to do that. And uh, what a surprise you're seeing people take advantage of that. So can you kind of go in and as you do with all of your fields, can you kind of give me a rundown of what you've seen, what the importance of it is? What's is there anything new you're learning from it? What does it imply for the United States? What does it imply for local politics? Really just take it away. Yeah, so um, I'm a journeyman, so I do a lot of different things. And uh run my own companies, my own businesses. Um, like I said, just depending on what day of the week it is, which had I decided to wear that day. Um, so back in August, I was called literally in the middle of the night by a company said, hey, hurricane, obviously, in New Orleans. And uh, 
uh, we need people to pull security there. So things are going to get out of hand. So they asked me if I was we, we willing to go down there. So I only happened to live about five hours away. So I literally packed my car up with everything. Um, all my Omega Man kit, my sniper rifle, handgun, ammunition, night vision goggles, body armor, sleeping bags, food, water, threw it in the back of my BMW and uh, drove down there and literally slept in my car for almost, uh, for more than two weeks, um, you know, pulling security down there and uh, living off of whatever I had in my trunk of my car. So um, I ended up bringing a bunch of other guys as well. And that led to the company calling me going, hey, we have an opportunity in San Francisco. There's one particular store they represent or they service and I uh, don't represent the service. And uh, it's in the heart of, uh, it's in the heart of San Francisco, downtown Market Street. And uh, they said, basically, as you mentioned a minute ago, crime is out of control. So in San Francisco, there, actually several years ago, they passed a, a proposition bill stating that um, anything, any um, shoplifting under $950 is only a misdemeanor, right? $950 is a misdemeanor below. So <clears throat> that opened, and not only that, um, they weren't prosecuting um, any kind of, you know, crimes, including, in fact, New York is now adopting the same policies in San Francisco. Um, but basically, you could you could punch a person in the face, and I've actually seen it. Um, I've seen a... I've seen a um, a transient, if you will, punch the manager to a store next door and then run over to the store where I was located, shoplift, run out, and I basically follow the person out. The police were talking to the person who's just been punched. And I said, hey, that person just shoplifted from that store. And they said, well, you know, uh, do you want to prosecute? Press charges. I'm like, well, yeah, why not, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> and so, so they actually chased her. Now, remember, it's the same person that just punched this other person, this manager of the store. Uh, and they wrote her a citation and released her on the spot. Now, she just committed assault and battery and larceny, and, uh, and she got away with it. And so this happens all day long. In fact, I'm, <clears throat> I know a lot of the police officers out there, become good friends with them. And, uh, you know, a lot of police officers were uh, relieved because they wouldn't take the vaccine, so they lost their jobs. So, you know, it added to the depletion of the police force out there. The police are completely demoralized. I have one, meet one police officer yet that likes what's happening, um, is happy in his job. He's just doing it because he's been doing it. And now he's like trapped in a profession that he can't really get out. Everybody can say, well, you can get out anytime. Well, that's easier said than done. Okay. If you've invested in a, in a profession, you know, that's paying your mortgage, you know, your car payments, putting your kids to school. It's not just easy to go walk away, go out, just give me another job, right? Because what if you don't get another job? You know, so any moron out there that says, well, you just get another job is a moron, okay? Um, you know me, man, I'm not going to pull back, pull those punches, man. Um, I got no tolerance for political correctness and all this other crap. So anyways, talking to, um, you know, these cops, they were reluctant to do anything, enforcing crime. Um, in fact, at some of the locations, um, if they actually see somebody shoplifting, they will ask the store owner or manager, do you want me to prosecute, uh, arrest him, or do you just want the goods back? They always say, just give me the goods back. They never want to arrest because what they have to do, if you arrest some of these knuckleheads, these druggies, these homeless people, these transients, now the, the corporation's got to send lawyers in yeah. 
to prosecute, that's going to cost them more money than a hundred dollar pair of underwear this person tried to steal, right? And so there's no cost. There's it's just no benefit for them to prosecute. Best they can do is well, just give me the stuff back. And this problem is getting this stuff back from some of these people. I mean, they do everything, man. They they put the they put the stuff on. They'll put the underwear on and then give it back. You know, it's like you know, what are we going to do with this now? You know, you might as well just keep it, right? So um, to choose, and I can go on and on and on. So um, the the bigger picture is this: you can't walk ten seconds downtown San Francisco without running into a homeless person, transient, or someone just doomed out on drugs. Um, you just can't. They're everywhere. There's literally slit, laying, laying across the sidewalks where people are walking, sleeping like babies. Like, how do you even sleep like that in the open, broad daylight with people walking all around and stepping over, you know? Um, they're everywhere. They're, 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 they're on drugs. I'm telling you right now, fentanyl, uh, fentanyl is a kiss of death. I see a lot of fent- fentanyl victims, and uh, and they have some really weird uh, idiosyncrasies. You know, I've seen a lot of them, what they'll do is they're literally shit in their pants, um, and it's the worst smell ever. It doesn't even smell like human shit, right? So, um, and it's powerful, man. It's like, <laughs> it's like I, I almost wonder if they just do that on purpose to keep people away from them. But maybe when you see it, you can't miss it. It literally comes out of their pants. It falls out of the bottom of their pants. I mean, I've got pictures of it. And uh, they walk around like nothing happened. Um, they don't even know they're crapping in their pants. And they're walking around and they're shopping and stuff. I mean, literally walk around. And I've seen one guy come in, an older guy, um, with a coffee cup, he's drinking and shopping, and he's shitting his pants, and he doesn't even realize it. I'm like, I had to walk up to the guy, go, hey, dude, you got to get out of here, man. You, you mean, people walk around holding their nose. I mean, it's just that powerful, but they do that. Um, other things, you know, you pick up on is a lot of these people are on fentanyl, meth, uh, meth. Um, their hands are swollen, like super swollen. That's one of the first telltale signs. If you want to know the guy's on drugs, just look at his hands. Usually they're swollen. Um, they're usually hunch over at the, at the waist, leaning forward or to the left or right side. Because what I didn't know when I learned from the police was it, uh, these drugs, particularly like fentanyl and meth, they, it, um, what <clears throat> it, uh, what's what I'm looking for. It deteriorates the, uh, um, cartilage like between the vertebrae. And oh, so really? they, they end up bending over because they can't hold themselves up anymore. Jeez. And I've literally seen on many occasions where these people are standing still, bent over the waist, their hands are dragging, their knuckles are almost touching the floor, their heads hanging straight down, <clears throat> and they'll stay like that for 30 minutes, an hour, and not move at all, and not fall over. That's the really, the craziest part is they don't even fall over. And they're completely unconscious standing like that. It's like the most zombie shit I've ever seen in my life. Open wounds, scabs. Oh my God, man! I mean, uh, you know, eczema at, the, at its worst. Um, skin peeling off. You know, you're you're literally living the zombie apocalypse. Um, it's it's the most bizarre stuff I've ever seen. And people just ignore it and tolerate it, like you know what? They're so used to it, uh, or they just don't care. And uh, so here's the but here's the problem that I was trying to allude to here a minute ago. First of all. Um, who do I blame for that? I blame the mayor. I blame the district attorney. I blame the, blame the city council. Okay, they these are their laws. Okay, and they choose not to enforce laws. They choose to let them go. In fact, here's what they do do. They they give out um, these debit cards, EBT cards, or whatever you want to call them. I believe it's for uh, 800 bucks, is what I was told, um, to these these people. They get one a month. They get a place to go to sh- shower and shave. Okay, and maybe sleep at night. Or they get uh, some kind of a voucher to stay in a motel, but it's only for so many days, right? And then so what they do is 
they need the drugs, so they take the EBT card, um, and they'll go down and buy a bunch of clothes. They'll turn around, and they go down about 10 blocks. There's a market down there with a bunch of foreigners. Um, there's the only way I can describe it. And they have their little bazaar there, and these guys will come down there. So they buy, you know, let's say they buy you know, a $30 pair of tennis shoes. You know, they'll sell them to this guy for, you know, 15 bucks, and this guy will sell me, and then he'll sell them for 20 bucks. He made $5. You know, their guy got the $15 um, off his EBT card, he goes out and buys drugs until he has no more money left. He's he's used all the money on his EBT card. Now he's got to go to step two. Step two is steal for the same thing, right? So they go down, they steal a bunch of stuff, and they literally they go down to bazaar and they basically um, boost it for you know a couple of dollars. The tags are still on there, right, from the department stores, and these turn people turn around and they sell it. And the police are completely aware of that, but the police won't do anything either because they know that they can't prosecute these people in Bazaar for, for receiving stolen property because the DA won't prosecute. Okay, now, by, by the way, San Francisco DA, his father, all right, was responsible for killing two police officers and an armored car driver during a botched-up armored car robbery um, years ago. And he just got out, and, and his mayor was going, oh, thank God, you know, you know, God is good, blah, 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 you know, my dad's out. Your dad's a murderer. This guy's from a crime family, okay? And he's actually the DA for San Francisco. Um, so, and I, this is not me making this up. This is all in the news as well, right? So, but, uh, you know, so I see this happening every day. And the other thing that happens is, so this has uh, become an institution, right, where people are making money. So you have... Uh, Third-party vendors come in and they go, hey, we're going to give out homeless, uh, we're going to give a blankets to homeless people, you know, whatever, you know, some soup. And, uh, but guess what? Guess who's financing that? The city, yeah. right? Hey, we're going to give you money, hand out blankets, right? So, if, so it's a good idea to keep the homeless people homeless and on drugs because you can give them shit and you can make money, right, from, this, from the city. And the city's culpable because... They're not trying to, they're, they're well aware of this because the police are well aware of this and have told them about this, right? So it goes full, full circle. So at the end of the day, who are the victims? Uh, the victims are the people that actually made themselves victims. First of all, they made themselves victims by taking drugs and resorting to, you know, the stealing and things like that. But then it becomes a cycle that they can't get out because the city, the mayor, I'm going to keep saying it, the mayor, the DA, and the city council all right, are, are continuing to perpetuate this thing. Um, they're feeding into it. They're not doing anything about it. it. You know, it's actually, the police can't even tell a homeless person to get up off the sidewalk and move because it's immoral. If the guy wants to sleep there, let him sleep there. That's the mindset. Um, now, interestingly, the, in the time that I've been out there, I've asked everybody, so, you know, I said, what do you guys think about this? And nobody supports it. Nobody supports the city policies. Nobody thinks this is a good idea. You know, and I'm like, but you guys voted for it, you know? And, and so it's, you know, it's like on one hand, you voted for this, you got it, and now you don't like it, but you're not doing anything about it either, right? But I have yet to meet anybody that supports it that would go, I'm going to vote for more of this. Nobody has done it. This is not, this hasn't happened just this year. This has been going on for a long time. Um, I can't remember when, I think it was Proposition 47 or something like that. I can't remember now, but that was several years ago that was enacted. Um, so basically you can assault somebody, and not get arrested. You can steal up to nine hundred fifty dollars, right? So he's going to steal uh, nine hundred forty nine dollars worth of shit. You only get a misdemeanor. You can come back three, four, five times a day and keep doing it, and you're good. You get make get your quota nine hundred forty nine. There was one guy literally bagging thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff every day. Um, they literally come in with forty gallon trash bags. I've actually seen them pull cart carts in and start stealing and just loading up the carts and cart and, and loading up the bags. 
And, uh, you know, the loss prevention people can't say anything. They can't do anything. They can't touch them. They can't intercede in any way. Um, and so these people just ignore them. Also with the police there. I've had the police there. I've been there with the police. And the police can't do anything. I mean, for the most part, won't do anything unless the store manager goes, hey, can you help us? Like, what do you want me to do? You just want me to get it back or you want me to, uh, you know, arrest them? Just get it back. <clears throat> that always sometimes turns into a fight. Okay. And then the cop's like, you know what? I'm not going to get sued or get hurt over a pair of underwear, yeah. right? And he just lets them go. I've seen it done more than once. And the reason cops lose their, their zest to do this work is because nothing happens, right? They're just kind of, it's like the city doesn't support them. The mayor doesn't support them. The DA definitely doesn't support them. The DA is the son of a cop killer, all right? Um, yeah, you can't, okay, you, uh, you know, you can't, uh, you know, judge him by what his dad did. Well, I'm judging him by what he's not doing. Okay. And he's actually, in my mind, culpable for a lot of people dying out there. I forget what the death rate is, but it's a lot. There's people literally dying on the street in the middle of the night. I have another friend. She's a security officer. Her job is to patrol the streets at night. And she showed me pictures. She, her job is to kind of help round up the homeless people. Okay. And, and move them to certain areas uh, away from private property. And she's showing me pictures all the time, dead bodies laying all over yeah. the place, you know? Um, so, you know, there's, there's like, I don't know, there's like 10 different things they were told to ignore, like, you can you can actually break in somebody's house or their car. Nothing's going to happen. Um, you obviously can assault people. Nothing's going to happen. Um, while I was out there uh, in front of my hotel, a guy got stabbed to death one night. Never made the news. Okay, um, a lot of this stuff's being suppressed because it just has a it's a bad image. And uh, but nothing's being done about it either. And so and I just read where New York. They're going to do the same thing and make the same rules as San Francisco. So you can expect another shit show to start up there. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is I tell people all the time, you come try that crap in Panama City Beach where I live, and you're probably going to get your ass kicked, you know, stealing and doing this kind of shit that's going on up there. It's not going to be tolerated. Um, it's a different demographic, more mostly conservative. And, uh, you know, as citizens, we're not just going to stand around and let people violate the law, break the law, and do those types of things unanswered, you know? Um, I've had people come in from Miami and look at me and go, hey, are you going to do anything? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just standing there. I'm going, I'm doing it. <laughs> what do you do? What do you mean? I go, this is all I'm allowed to do, nothing. And uh, they go, you know, this is Miami. These people get their ass kicked. I go, yeah, but this is San Francisco where everybody, you know, kumbaya loves each other and, and there's no evil um, except people on the right, apparently. Um, so, um, <clears throat> so sadly, that's the kind of state we're at, state of affairs in San Francisco. I think New York, Chicago, L.A., there's a lot of places, Oakland, that are in the same boat, right? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Seattle, Portland, was, you know, this is this is not just an isolated, you know, event in San Francisco. It's all over the place, and it's, it's metastasizing, right? Um, because of this, you know, there's this hue and cry for social justice, you know, and we got to stop picking on people and discriminating people. Well, let me tell you something. Um Everything I've seen in San Francisco, um, this, is, no, this is not meant to be racist, and it's not racist, but it's just the truth. It's my observation. Um, the biggest criminals out there that I have seen so far, especially when it comes to uh, shoplifting, when it comes to violence, when it comes to just crime in general, all right, it's, it's four people on the top of the list, white people, white men, white women, black men, black women, those four are on top. Rarely have I seen Hispanic and Asians do anything like that. And I wonder, and I have, I've talked to my colleagues about that. I go, you know, do you think it's because 
Um, they come from a different moral fiber, maybe the religious background, because let's face it, Asia is a little bit more cons- very conservative. So are Hispanics because of the Catholic background. And I said, you know, all these other knuckleheads, I mean, they don't have any religion, you know, uh, and, and so they do what they want. And they actually believe they're entitled to this stuff. I mean, they literally have said that, you know, I've had I've seen guys. I stopped a guy one day. Um, he had this, he actually had a Mike Tyson tattoo around his eyeball, right? Like the same thing, right? Big, big fat black guy. And, and he'd come in and he's ripping the place off. And I go, dude, I said, can't you, you know, I said, you know, that's wrong, man. You know, still, and he was actually pretty well dressed. He didn't look like he was homeless. He was super fat. He goes, he goes, I'm homeless, man. So I, I have to do this. I go, no, you don't have to do this. And I said, and for a homeless guy, you're pretty healthy. You know, I mean, unless yeah, you eat your own yeah. home or something, you're pretty fucking fat, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, but they, they make these excuses about, you know, because I'm homeless or whatever, I'm entitled. And they told me nobody will give me a job, you know. And I was like, bullshit. I said, they're hiring in a store right now to clean up your shit, you know, get your life right. And I said, you can get a job. There's jobs everywhere, you know. But what it's become is uh, we've become a, a society of entitlements, man, where people feel like, you know, somebody's supposed to give them money. Um, you know, and, and if they don't get their way in life because they're lazy, it's somebody else's fault. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm living it every day and I'm, I, I, I'm trying to be a student and trying to figure out what is going on here. What's, what are the root causes? And, uh, it always, to me, comes back to, you know, a couple of areas. One is the, the government, city government. Okay. Actually the state government, uh, what's the bucket nuisance just as culpable, um, it goes back to one government, uh, government two. It goes back to all the the social justice warriors, the liberals out there that think that everybody should, you know, have a fair chance, and you shouldn't discriminate because a guy's shitting in his pants because he's taking drugs and sleeping on the street. You know, um, you shouldn't discriminate against a woman. It's punch. I watched a I watched a woman walk up and punch a little Chinese lady in the back of the head. Jesus, right out of the blue, just watch him punch her in the back of the head. A woman fell out in front of a car. A woman don't run over. Then she turned around, and kicked another white lady right between the legs. Right. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she tried to come into the store while I was standing there, you know, I stopped at the door and she backed off and ran back out. But um, there's no accountability, no culpability. So one, you know, I feel like it's being sanctioned by the city. Um, two, it's also, I think, a, um, you know, it's something, it's, it's, it has its origins as well in the family life and home life, okay? I mean, most people that are raised properly with responsible parents and you don't have to have two responsible parents even if you have one parent they can be responsible um i think that's part of it is the breakdown of the family structure um you know the government uh the breakdown of the government we'll put it that way too um i think those are two of the main reasons and then you know we drugs are just you can literally literally in san francisco and this is no lie you can literally i've seen it happen many many times people literally shoot up heroin smoke crack uh, cocaine take meth um, fentanyl right there in public in the stores. Um, and nobody says, even the police will say, just get out. Won't even arrest them. Just get out of here. Don't go do that somewhere else. These people are allowed to get goosed up on, on drugs and do whatever they want, whenever they want. I've seen people literally having sex, literally pulling their pants down right there in front of everybody, just having sex. Um, there we've, I've seen, I've seen male homosexuals in the men's uh, uh, dressing rooms up there having sex, then they defecate and urinate, urinate on the floor like it's a toilet, you know. Um, I've seen people literally pull down their pants in the middle of stores and just squat into their hand and then start throwing it at people and then wiping it all over the windows, 
You know, this is the kind of depravity I see literally every day, every day without exception, just in one location where I'm at as a consultant. Um, so, you know, this, this is coming to America if it doesn't stop, you know, and I'll tell you what, man, um, I don't, again, I don't know, you know, what I was told as well is, you know, when it comes election time, you know, these politicians, they send their little troopers down to get all these homeless people and drug addicts to, you know, to vote for them. Because I don't know anybody with any common sense that would vote for anything like that because people are refusing to come downtown to shop anymore. In fact, San Francisco, is they're banning it. I mean, they're jumping ship. All the stores are starting to yeah. close um, and people are leaving the city. They don't want to be there because it's dangerous. Um, you, it's, you know, I mean, poor women are walking around just, you know, you, you know, looking over their shoulder constantly because there are literally these dudes and these crazy people everywhere. You can't walk 10 seconds without running one. Oh, yeah, screaming and hollering. I mean, that's another side effect from these drugs. Everybody's walking down the road screaming and hollering and cussing. They're like, who the hell are they talking to? And they're talking to themselves, you know. Um, I've got so many pictures and video. If I show these, and probably one day I'll put together, a, you know, um, what do you call it, uh, like a collage of these yeah. things. And it's sad. It'll make you laugh, but it's sad. Um, I mean, literally, there was a woman in front on the street where I was at. She literally took all her clothes off. It's freezing. Completely closed, unclosed herself. Threw it all in the street. Started ranting and raving, running around for a little while, you know. And then she just took off without her clothes. Later, she came back about an hour later. Somebody, I guess, gave her a trench coat to put on. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's... Yeah. For everybody listening, everybody, Dale said... And nobody like, paid any attention. I was watching this. Does anybody even notice this? Just me? Am I the only pervert watching this or something? Right? Because <laughs> nobody was watching. They completely ignored it. It was so commonplace. And I thought, man, what is wrong with our civilization? When we allow this kind of craziness... What is going on? What is what is wrong with people, man? They've lost all morality. You know, they don't have any more ethics. They, you know, you know. And I tell you what, all you social justice warriors, you know, uh, where are you at when this is happening? Why are you not out there, you know, helping these people? Come on, put them in your house, dress them up, feed them. You know, you always expect the, the city to do something for you or the government to do something for you. Government ain't doing nothing for you. They don't care. They're making money off of this. You know, they, they use this to, to leverage power, you know, and get more votes and keep themselves in a, in a, in a seat. Um, they're not doing nothing for you, but you keep voting for these people, you know, that do nothing except, you know, add fuel to the fire. Why don't you do something about it? They don't. They don't. I mean, it's the most amazing thing. They don't. I've seen, I've literally seen women twice on two occasions walk up to a police officer I was with and look at him and go like, really? Like, you really have to be here dressed like that? They even said that to me. And I'm like, wow, yeah, really, because there are people literally getting stabbed and shot, security officers getting killed, police officers getting shot and stabbed. You know, this is a dangerous work. These people literally come into these places with, with needles, okay, insulin pins, um, knives. Um, they, they come in with knives and scissors to cut tags off of stuff, you know, in these, in these different stores. They come in literally with samurai swords. Um, they come in with firearms. And uh, why would you not want to have a police officer dressed up like that, you know? What, you think being nice to the bad man is going to make him nice to everybody? No. But this is the world has lost its mind. Americans have lost their mind. And, uh, you know, I blame every liberal out there that's sitting there watching this go down that voted for this crap. You're just as responsible, period. You're just as responsible, you know. And uh, it's sad where, where, where we're going with this thing, and it has to be stopped. You know, if I, if I was going to do something, if I was going to be in charge, I'll tell you what, man, I want to enforce the laws. 
You know, if we don't have enough jails, we'll, we'll build them more jails. Guess what? I'm going to create more jobs, build them more jails. And we'll create more jobs, have more security guards, right? That's, that's what it takes because, you know what, this, this whole, you know, let's, let's give them treatment. Look, there's some of these people are so, I would say at least 70, 70% of the people I've run across that are on drugs are, you can't redeem them anymore. They're so mentally gone. Even when they're not on drugs, they're gone. Like you're not going to reach those people no more. They're not going to be productive members of society. They need to be taken out. Put them in a hospital for the rest of their life. I don't care. Yeah. You know, the other criminals, you know, put them in the jail where they belong. You know, make an example out of them. That's the only way this is going to work. You know, there's all this other crap and hand out blankets and an EBD card. Who's paying for that shit? You know, the taxpayers are paying for this. It's crazy. Um, me, I'm like, let's enforce the laws. Let's get more police officers and let's crack down on this crime because, Nowhere in history, you show me any time in history where being nice to the bad guys, being nice to criminals has converted and made them into good people and productive citizens. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I thought it worked in World War II when we appeased Hitler and said you can have Alsace and Lorraine, right? I thought nothing happened. Oh, no way. He invaded Poland and then 85 million (laughs) people died. Uh, Hey, Dale, real quick, tell him where to get your book. I'm going to go pee and then I do want to come back and and talk about uh, how to address it. Tell me to get the book, yeah. your personal training, all that good shit. <laughs> yeah, so my book, American Badass, you can get it on Amazon. Um, it's American Badass. It's actually um, most of my life up until the year 2011 when I published it. Since then, I've started writing uh, five more books, and uh, I've done a lot more since I uh, retired. Didn't think I was going to do a lot more, but I ended up doing a lot of uh, pretty crazy, pretty hairy things. I guess uh, trouble likes to follow me for some reason. Um if you want to learn more about me, go to DaleComstock.com and also tier one. That's a one, number one tier, number one, um, performancecoaching.com. Myself, Joe Tedai, um, it's a page that we have together and we provide uh, personal performance coaching. So I call it optimal performance coaching. Uh, technically, I call it psychosomal engineering, mind, body engineering, training people how to be the best version of themselves, be successful at everything you do, um, changing your mindset. You'd be surprised um, how well it works. And uh, if you just think about things from a different perspective and think way outside the box. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, and this is something you and I have talked about before is one, I mean, on one hand, like, I mean, I personally don't believe it, but I mean, you can kind of play devil's advocate and go, sure, maybe you see all this and you have a bleeding heart and you go, these people need help. I get it. Sure. But at a certain point, you are enabling. And that's a that's a tough pill to swallow because, I mean, I've certainly done it with friends. Hey, he just needs a hand. He just needs a hand. Then after the 10th time, you kind of got to sit him down and be like, dude, you're fucking drinking a lot. You're being a, a dick. And I'm saying it's because I love you and you're my friend, right? Or, you know, you're my brother or you're my cousin or whatever. At a certain point, you are enabling it. And it's very easy to pawn it off to the government, right? Scream about climate change. Do you recycle? My, the friends I have who are like the farthest left, always like scoffed at me for recycling, but me, the evil white conservative in college, I recycled. And that's like, because I'm not pawning it off to anyone. You have to do your own part, but that's, let's not jerk ourselves off. It's back to the, you are, you're enabling it and you're condoning it. And it's, I mean, let me share a quick story. real quick. So here's what happened. I've seen this happen. It actually happened to me too. Um, had a guy come in, he tried to steal a bunch of stuff in this one store I was in. 
and uh, he knew he didn't have any money. Um, he had all these really ratchet-looking, worn-out shoes that weren't even his shoes. They barely fit. They had a hole. They were just bad. And uh, so he had a bunch of stuff, and he was trying to – basically, the, what they do is they come up and they try to use a fake credit card or stolen credit card and hope it works. It doesn't work. Um, the next play is either just walk away with all the stuff in their hand and walk out the door because nobody will stop them. Nobody can stop them. Nobody can literally stop them. Um, and so, um, and they know that. So this one guy does, he does that. And, uh, unfortunately for him, the police were waiting for him. I was out in the front there and, uh, took everything back from, he went outside and there was a couple from Europe, not a couple, um, a, a woman and a daughter, teenage daughter. They saw what went down. And, uh, so they went back to cash register and said, what does this guy want? Um, I want to buy those shoes for you. So they bought him the shoes, right? Some nice shoes. And, uh, and they go out and they feel real good about themselves. They go, here, sure, you know, we want to help you, you know. And I'm sitting there thinking, because I've seen this play a thousand times, right? I said, he ain't going to wear those shoes. He's going to go sell those shoes for more drugs. Next day I see him, he's wearing the same damn shoes, right? <laughs> he, ain't got, he, he ain't got the new shoes. He's got the old shoes. I had a guy come in one day, and uh, he's trying to go into the store barefoot, right? Somebody stole his shoes. And that's common too. They steal shoes off of people that are in the street. They steal his shoes from at night. Like shoes are a huge commodity, mm-hmm. apparently. The guy comes in and hey, you can't, you can't come in here, no shoes on, you know, because why? Because if you step on a thumbtack or something, you can sue the store. They won't allow you in here, blah, blah, blah. And this guy, <clears throat> you know, he goes outside and he's sitting behind this pillar. Later on, I walk by and I see him sitting there and he's got a little cardboard sign and he's asking for money to buy a pair of shoes. And I'm like, damn. And I just got to San Francisco. And I'm like, man, you know what? He goes, come on, I'm going to buy you a pair of shoes, right? I feel like I'm going to help this guy out. So I go in and I said, stay right here. I said, what size you wear? I go up and I find a couple pairs of shoes, you know, that I would like. Not very expensive, but, you know, running shoes. I bring them down. I go, which one do you like? He goes, I like those. I said, okay, hang on. I go out and buy him the shoes, give them to him later. And uh, he says, you know, he takes the shoes. He goes, thank you very much, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he had a pretty, you know, I think he had a, Good story. You know, he told me that his girlfriend stole all his shit. He, they were both transients. She ran off with all his stuff, you know, and somehow he lost the shoes in the process. Um, so I said, all right, well, get yourself together. About a week later, he came in again to where I was at, and he was wearing the shoes I bought him. And he actually went out of his way to stop me. He goes, hey, sir, he goes, I just want you to know I still have the shoes. You know, I didn't I didn't uh, pawn them or anything like that, you know, some for drugs. He goes, like, you know, I'm just trying to find a job right now. You know what I told him? I said, man, I said, those are some high-speed running shoes. I'll tell you what you should do with those shoes. I said, run the hell out of this state and go to Florida and get a job and get away from this craziness. He goes, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I go, yeah, you're going nowhere here, man, nowhere. All right? I said, get escape from San Francisco. Get the hell out of here. But you see, you know, so after I bought him those shoes, the funny part was later on that day, another guy comes in with those shoes. And another guy, I go, I ain't buying no more shoes, yeah. man. <laughs> you know, game over. I'm not, I'm not the guy who's buying shoes anymore, right? Just one guy, that's it. But then I realized it's the root, the word spreads, spreads really fast. And not everybody cares about wearing a pair of new shoes. They would rather have those shoes and um, exchange them for drug money or drugs, you know, so... Um, it is what it is out there. But you're right. They take advantage of people's good hearts, especially the Europeans come over. There. They're the ones that are like, what is going on here? I mean, all the time they're asking, what is what is going on here? I was like, I said, welcome to San Francisco. I said, you shouldn't believe the postcards. <laughs> it's yeah, bullshit. <laughs> it's, and it's so like what we see is like, so I think of like 2020. I think it was 2020 when, when Joe Rogan was first like, I'm moving to Texas. And then like Elon Musk went and then a ton of comedians mm-hmm. and artists went and they're calling it 
I'm, I'm, I've had one DJ on this podcast who moved from LA to Texas and they were calling it Texodus and they're all leaving. And like, I get it, right? Get, get the fuck out of there. At a certain point, at a certain point, you can't fix it, right? At a certain point, you say, I'm just getting the fuck out of here, you know? All the cops I know, they're waiting for their, you know, for the retirement, you know, year, year and a half. Um, and they're all telling me the same thing. They're going to Texas or Florida. They're, they're leaving. Uh, I actually have a movie producer from L.A., hardcore liberal, left and went to Nevada, Las Vegas. And he called me. He goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, I can't put up with the liberal lunacy. He goes, they have gone way over the top. He goes, he's actually now a conservative. Um, I was like, good for you. But so I'm seeing a lot of it here in in Florida. I'm starting to see a lot of California and New York uh, license plates, you know. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll approach these people and say, you know what, welcome to Sunshine State. Believe your liberal bullshit yeah, out of yeah. here, right? And they're like, no, no, no. We're actually we're actually the good ones. We're the conservatives that are, that are bailing out. Like, All right, well, welcome. You know, just don't bring no bullshit here in this state. You know, ruin it. You know? Yeah. It's it's because there are these certain moments where like you can try. Like I lived in a frat house my sophomore year of college in Valdosta State, and I was like, I'm going to clean this thing up, and like I kind of did. Like the first week in like August 2011, I was like, oh, it looks cool, and like, I mean, in, in hindsight, like I'm the retard because it was like a frat house in college. There was no reason to take care of it, but I was trying to like clean it up, kept my room clean, like tried to clean up the whole house, and like every week it would just get destroyed, and finally like you kind of you pull back your forces and you just protect your own like little fiefdom, which is your bedroom. And at the end of the year, instead of trying to give it another shot, I just fucking transferred to a better school. UGA went and got a better education, got into medical school. So there is this point where, you know, people say like, oh, you got to stay and fight to a degree. But then there's also sanity. And you go, what am I doing? Why am I trying to keep the, the tide at bay when no one else is helping me build the, you know, build the dam? And that's what I think about when I see Texas or Florida. You see it all the time, either from New York or California or Washington State. Oh, we're going to Florida. We're going to, you know, we're going to Freedom City, which, hey, I completely get. I'm As I just explained that I understand the rationale and I completely condone it. At a certain point, you got to go, dude, I don't have a thousand lifetimes. I have one lifetime. I'm raising a family. Fuck this place. I'm going to Austin. Fuck this place. I'm going to Panama. However, once you make that move, you also have to understand that you can only hop from place to place so many times. You can only jump from, you know, branch to branch to branch, you know, like a monkey swinging across trees before you have to realize, like, the forest does end. And that's what I think you and I have talked about before. I've talked about this with people in Texas and Florida about local politics. Like, you have to... You, you have to enact change so that this doesn't come here because the people say that it will never come here. If 30 years ago you had said this is coming to San Francisco, some people might've said, Oh yeah, no watch. It'll happen. The vast majority of people. And I would argue to say probably Mm -hmm. even you and I, if someone came up to us and said, this is what's going to be happening in 2022, we'd be like, okay, that's, you're kind of exaggerating. Like I get it. It's a hippie shithole, but it's not going to be that bad yet. It is. So the people that say not Panama, not Austin. This is, uh-uh, this is different. This is America. Just you fucking wait because it will seep there. So my point of saying that is, is and this is why I always tell people to get involved locally, you have to get involved now and enact the laws that say we can't do this. You can't know. The thing that is making this good is the strict rules. It is the rule of law. It is why the society is rigid in a certain way. And yet it's going to seem unpopular, but the things that were popular 
freedom for everybody. And we're not going to prosecute anyone. That leads to a shithole, a literal, a quite literal fecal infested shithole versus something like Florida or Texas, where it's like, this is the real America. And it is. But people now, instead of waiting 20 years, an ounce of prevention is, equal, is better than a pound of cure, right? Start putting the rules in now. Like you said, if this was Panama, hey, man, if they're gone, yeah, they got to go to jail. Maybe they're mentally ill. Okay, start building fucking mental illness uh, facilities like the ones that Reagan dissolved in the 80s. I wonder what precedent that started. Rebuild that. Well, there's too many people. Build private fucking prisons. And I get the idea. You know, we can't incarcerate the whole world. We don't want to be a police state. But on the other side, what you're punishing is you're punishing law-abiding people that just want to open a store in downtown San Francisco. And not even just, you know, you know, a guy like me and I we want to raise a family in a city. No, what about the hard-working fucking immigrants who got here through hell and now they're here and they've got their strong values, they're chasing the American dreams, and then they're getting cold-cocked by some fat, ungrateful American who's saying, I deserve this. That yeah. is what I mean. And <laughs> things things like, and that's why I said, is you were saying earlier, like if that shit ever came to Panama, Panama City, not Panama, where Dale operated, Modelo Prison, but like Panama City, like what what would you do or what would you say to someone? Because someone like you, you don't give a shit about saying uh, what needs to be said. What would you say to someone in Panama City or Miami or Sarasota or Austin for that matter? But you, you live in Florida, so that's why I'm using Florida. What would you say to what are the things that need to be drawn so that this doesn't happen? Well, so you said a minute ago, you know, people say, well, just, you know, fight for, you know, fight for whatever you're, where you live. The problem is you have to fight a system and the system is rigged against us, right? So the system in San Francisco is rigged against the population. Um, certain sector of the population voted for shit. It got enacted. <clears throat> certain people got in a seat in their power and now they're protected and they built a system that uh, insulates them right from change and uh, so one man can't you know one man can fight the system but really it takes a collective mind and a strategy to fight the system so there's there's nothing like that every every guy that's tried to rise up and do that for example what's his name uh, elders right try to mm -hmm. try to run for that against Newsom you know here's a guy that which was amazing was all right, so he's everything that embodies, you know, what, you know, the social justice and the left says, you know, we're fighting for. He's a black man, okay? He's, tr he's trying to go up into a leadership position. He's trying to make a positive change. And what happens? They're calling him monkeys. They're wearing monkey yeah. masks and attacking him, right? It's like, this is, these, so what, what they've done is they've made it very clear, again, that the left is not about social justice. The left is about communism the left is and by the way you say oh socialism and communism is different no it's not actually um socialism socialism is where people freely give up their freedoms and will to the government whereas communism the, the government takes it from you right so we're making it easy i'd rather they have it to come and take it from me by force than me just hand it over but the left is willing to hand it over um so you know we are fighting a, a war within you know it's, and it's a war a battle of the minds and what happens is there's certain people that have managed to inculcate many on the left to believing certain things like, you know, conservatives are not are fascists and, you know, and are you kidding me? 
you know, are you kidding me? But they've got him so brainwashed to believe in that that we're not going to be able to change that mentality. I don't think anytime soon. In fact, it was Hitler, I believe, that said, if you tell a lie enough times within 60 to 90 days, it becomes a fact. And no matter how much truth you lay out in front of a person, they won't believe it, right? That cognitive dissonance. And that's where we're at, man. These guys have been thoroughly brainwashed over the last couple of years, particularly with COVID. Um, COVID drove it home, but it was already in process since Obama started. And and now what we have is, you know, we have a... um, a battle between minds and, and the left is not going to, they're not going to, so unless something personally happens to them, they're not going to change. Another story. I was in the store um, and I was standing there and a woman, a black woman walks in and she's a younger, probably in her twenties, mid twenties. And she stops, looks at me. She goes, is that your police car out there? I go, no, that's not mine. She goes, Oh my gosh. She goes, uh, she goes, can I get a picture with you? I said, sure. So we took a picture, right? And uh, she goes, you know, I'm from, she goes, I'm from Atlanta. And um, she goes, I'm a Democrat. She goes, but I got to be honest with you. And these were her words, not me making it up. She goes, I believe if there was a conservative government here, none of this would be happening here. I go, but you're still a Democrat. <laughs> so what makes you think it's not going to happen in Atlanta, right? Yeah. It's, it's, like a, it's like a cancer. It's, once it becomes accepted, like it has been for so long, it's just going to, and now, and now you got these little cancer cells, right? These little leftists running to Austin, Texas and running around the country and planting seeds, right? And to your point earlier, you know, you've got an enclave of, of uh, liberals in, in Texas surrounded by conservatives, but what's to say that, and not to say that, you know, in a few years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, that, that group of leftists in, in, in Austin suddenly start branching out and getting bigger and stronger and becoming a bigger demographic. And now suddenly they are, you know, they are the, the prominent uh, party in Texas. Now we've just turned Texas into a liberal, another liberal shithole, right? How do we stop all that stuff? And that's where, for, first of all, you know, having the right people in the seat that are not afraid of, you know, being politically correct, you know, and being judged because their opinion is different from everybody else's. We need guys up there that are willing to stand up and take the heat, you know, but nonetheless maintain their poise through all of this and go, no, this is, this is the law. This is the constitution and we are going to abide by it. We are going to enforce it. All right. Fuck your feelings. All right. You know what? If you're that, if you, if you're that emotional about shit, why don't you get off your lazy ass? All right. Spend your money and help these people and get these people right. You know what? Why don't you do your part and stop relying on the government? And so if I'm in that seat, you bet your damn ass, you know, we're going to abide by the rules, by the laws. All right. Everything that stems from the U.S. Constitution, we're not going to deviate shit to accommodate some freaking left wing, you know, group that has some special interests. You know, we're going to what we're going to do is enforce the laws for the collective, the bigger collective. All right. The more important collective. You know, we have done We have made a huge mistake, man. Not we. They. So when COVID started. All right. This should have been obvious to anybody with a, a live brain cell. All right. That didn't have their fucking nose in a fucking video game on TV and shit and fucking just completely oblivious what's going on around them. You know, what we have done was go, oh my God, we got a COVID, we got a virus. Okay. Which, by the way, we even knew back then at a high survivability rate. But we made this something, we, we turned this into a monster. We turned this into a, a boogeyman. Like it's going to kill a lot of people if we don't 
uh, like it, lock ourselves in a house, isolate ourselves, put masks on, sit around Thanksgiving table with a mask on, pull it off, and you take a bite and put it back on. You know, this <clears throat> what we've done is to save the few, we have sacrificed the many. And you never do that. Even, look, you were, you went to med school or started, you know, you know triage, right? You, when you, when it's called sorting, French for sorting, triage. You sort out. Those are like, you're not going to save them. You move them in this fucking pile. All right. Then you got these over here that are pretty bad off, but we can save them. And you got this pile over here. Uh, they're not so bad off. They can hang out for a while till we take care of the second group, right? This, that we can still save, right? So there's a process for doing this. What we have done, is we have sacrificed everybody, the guys in the middle, the first group, the second group, for the third group that's never going to make it, right? The small group. We have sacrificed the majority for the minority. We have closed down businesses. We have killed livelihoods. And people are, oh, you can always make money. Shut the fuck up. You know, right? You're a retard if you say that. All right? You're a total retard. You know how long it takes to build businesses? Okay, it's not like you just build a business because if you could just build a business, everybody would have built a business, right? But that's not how it works. All right, I'm one of those guys. I lost a business. I had to relieve 55 employees. I got 10 left. Okay, I lost a lot of money because of this crap. Because why? When you can scare people to death, because this is what it's all about. It's all about fear. All right, we, we're afraid of what we don't understand. Most people don't understand the virus. Everybody thinks the virus is alive. No, it's not alive. That's the funny part. It's not even alive. Do your damn homework. It's not even alive. But we've gotten so fearful of this bogeyman that we can't even sleep, that we were willing to go, okay, we'll hide in our houses. We'll, we'll get our, quit our jobs. You know, we'll wait for the government to send me a $2,000 check, which will last me, what, um, two weeks, you know, for the average person? It's bullshit. They placated me with $2,000. Hell, I didn't even get $2,000. That's what really pissed me off, too. Everybody else got $2,000 to my tax money, but I didn't get any. Right. So, you know, we, we've been we've been we've been deceived. We have been deceived is what we've been, you know, because look at where we are today. Finally, everybody's going two years later. Wait a damn minute. Yeah. Why are we locking up? We, have, we took four vaccines and we're still wearing masks and social distancing. And it's not working when you told us that would work. Remember two weeks to flatten the curve? God damn it, we're two and a half years in this thing and uh, we haven't flattened shit. Yeah. Right? Everybody's freaking bank accounts, you know, and livelihood. People are literally committing suicide over this. Yeah. In Indonesia, where I'm from, literally entire families are hanging themselves from the rafter because they would rather hang themselves and kill themselves than starve to death. And why are they starving to death? Because they can't go out and work. Why can't they go out and work? Because 40% of the population makes their money selling street food, parking cars. That's how they make their day living, their day wages to live and eat that day. And if they can't go out and work because they've been isolated in their house, they're starving to death. And I've seen it, man. And so everybody out there was afraid of, oh, this virus, you know, you're killing old people. You've killed a lot of young people, too. Yeah. You've killed a lot of young people and a lot of families with your stupid mindset. You know, the shit's got to stop. And why did all that happen? It's not because, you know, it's not because the people in charge were afraid. They knew better. They knew better. They knew how. I mean, we see the pictures every day. You know, the politicians stand around with no mask on. They got a group of kids around wearing a mask, you know. It's like they don't even believe their own lie. And they're not even good at hiding it, you know. And so, but they got everybody else convinced the bogeyman's out there, yet they're walking around fearless because they know it's bullshit. What they have done is leverage power. There's no, there's no honor in politicians, most of the politicians. They're not honorable people. They have no integrity, you know. And here's the problem with most of these cocksuckers, all of them. You know, the fucking civilians never worked a goddamn day in their life. Even AOC, fucking, what does she do? 
A bartender? Are you kidding me? A bartender? Now she's going to fucking, she's now going to be making public policy? Policy that could affect you and me and our kids? I got a bartender going to tell me how I should live my life? Spend my money? What to vote for? Are you kidding me? That's got to change, man. That has got to change. And people that got some integrity left, some morals, some ethics, they believe in doing the right thing for everybody, not just some niche groups out there. That's what needs to happen. And those politicians that are up there, you know, playing the game, they need their ass kicked. They need their ass kicked. They need to be removed. They need to be exposed for they are who they are. You know, I'm telling you, I'm the guy to do it, man. I'm so freaking mad. I'm tired enough of this shit. You know, and I'm not the only one either. I'm not the only one. There's a reason why there's a lot of veterans starting to step up and run for for politics Um, because they're being encouraged to do so. Why? Because we're literally like the last bastion of fucking people in this country that actually have any integrity, you know, and believe in work ethics and and believe in real patriotism, you know, real patriotism. Not this fake patriotism that you see the liberals fucking espousing every day. It's all bullshit. You're not a patriot if you don't take a vaccine. What? What? You know, when they say that kind of shit, tells me all I need to know about them. You know? So, you know, you got my Agent Orange all fired up. God damn it. (laughs) Fucking Dale's going to drop dead from an aneurysm on my podcast. No, but but you're right, though. And, you know, uh, Joe Kent, right? Joe Kent, former Green Beret. I think he did some OGA stuff. His wife, Shannon Kent, was was killed in a suicide bomb attack in Syria. He's running for Congress out of Washington State. Um, um, uh, Mike Durant, obviously, um, uh, Black Hawk Down pilot, is running for Senate out of uh, Alabama. Because you do have these guys who it's in your training that, you know, men of action, you take action. And right now, you know, instead of a forward operating base or whatever, it's all of America. It's just much bigger. It still has beyond the wire, which is the borders, right? We still have everything, but you're realizing no one else is doing anything. And there's like incoming mortar rounds. Eventually you have to stand up and, you know, people always say, Oh, I don't want to run for politics. I don't want to be that guy. And for a long time, that that's that was kind of like an admirable take, right? Because it'd be like politicians are crooks. So if you said said to someone you should run for politics, like, dude, fuck that. I don't want to do that. And we would applaud it, right? Because like, yeah, I'm I'm not a little I'm not a little demon. But now you're starting to see the opposite of guys like Durant or Kent, who they don't fucking want to do this. This isn't where they fit in. Durant has a lucrative uh, defense contracting. Joe Kent belongs covered in camo sniping motherfuckers like he doesn't belong in a, in a suit talking to people at town halls. But as Kent said, when his kids, when his two little sons grow up and the country is a complete communist dystopia, what is he going to say? I'm sorry, I was doing something else. And so you have these guys like Durant, who they're more of a, you know, just take the Blackhawk in under the cover of night. He doesn't want to be out there doing radio addresses, but he's understanding that. This is what we have to do now. Um, one of the one of the actually the, the Delta Force operators from uh, Operation Gothic uh, Gothic Gothic Serpent, I forget which one it is. When he retired, he actually went and became a pharmacist because he realized his uh, his veteran brothers were giving in to pills uh, after they retired, and a lot of them were. Coming- yeah, 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 yeah. And he went yeah. and became a pharmacist. And to me, I always like. To he's, me- actually, he's actually an MD down here in Florida. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I chat with him every now and then, but yeah, he, he went, went but, to med school, and, uh, but he is doing that. He's helping uh, veterans. But that's my point is I've yeah. always viewed that as like, to me, that was like, not that I have any place to say it, but to me, like that is like, 
that's Delta Force. It's like, okay, during this age group, it was about going out and operating. And now it takes on a completely new thing. But what are you doing? You're still helping out the guy to your left and your right. But now it's with a white coat and a textbook. So when people start, when all these veterans start running for office, that's what I see it as is I'm like, yeah, it's not the it's not the sexy fucking going in with nods and, you know, C4, but it's it's the job that's presenting itself. And it's the job we have to do. I don't give a fuck about covid. But what am I doing? I'm interviewing these doctors and then I'm putting them in touch with these guys running for Congress so that they can get FaceTime with them and use it for their campaign trails. Is it what I want to do? No, but it's what I'm going to do because it's a little bit that I can do. So that's that's kind of my logic, because we really if we don't do anything, we get what we fucking deserve. Voting for it's bad enough if you vote for that San Francisco shit. But if guys like you or me just sit around and we just do podcasts and bitch about it. We're not any fucking better. We're, we're, uh, we're really not. We're, we're going, well, I don't want to do politics. Well, then fuck uh, off. Stop complaining. So that's kind of my logic, too, is. You made a point, you know, nobody ever wants to get into politics because they don't. They look down on politicians, all right? Because we all think they're scumbags. And they right? are. But we tolerate them for some reason, right? Yeah. Uh, because we don't want to be um, inconvenienced and disrupt our lives you know, get involved in that shit. So, you know, how many people have told you, I don't pay attention to politics, you know? Yeah, good th- good for you. Keep not paying attention and see how that works out for you in the end, right? In the end, you're going, what happened? Yeah, you weren't paying attention. So I've been paying attention. But what's, you know, one of the things that's missing, it's the biggest, biggest lie ever told about government, particularly the president, the politicians, they call them leaders, they're far from, there's not one fucking leader up there, man. They're managers at best, and they mismanage the shit out of everything uh, for for power, okay? there's some, There are some leaders, don't get me wrong. There are some leaders, I can think of a few right now. They're actually friends of mine, Alan West, who's running for governor for, you know, against Abbott in uh, in Texas. Um, you know, there are guys out there that, you know, I do respect and actually have, but guess what? They're veterans, too, Right. So then you got these other assholes up there that pretend to tell everybody they were in Vietnam, but never were in Vietnam. Right. These politicians. And you can see what kind of, you know, what kind of, you know, liars and, you know, deceivers they are, man. And uh, those are the ones that have got to go. And that's why I mentioned earlier about these freaking civilians, man. You know, never did it. Biden, 45 years in office. And what the hell did he do? What did he do before that that, that qualified him to be called a leader? He's no leader. He's far from a leader, right? And that's what America needs. And from the politician, they need leadership. You know who's, who's displaying great leadership? I think DeSantis. And guess what? He's a veteran, right? Here's a guy that's taking a, the role of leadership and not management, right? He's actually putting morals, morals and ethics out front, you know? And this is another thing that veterans do, you know, because in the system that we grow up with, you got to take care of the team and you got to set the example, right? Those leadership traits have to come out front. And obviously one of them is lead by example, all right? Morals, ethics, you know, take care of the team first. In this case, take care of your, your constituents first. Make sure everybody's getting what you promised them. Otherwise, they'll never trust you. And you're no longer a leader anymore. Now you're just some guy in a, in a seat, you know, making bad fucking judgment, making bad deals, you know, using bad judgment and fucking us over. Um, that's what's missing is leadership. And these civilians don't have it. You show me one civilian outside of, you know, the veterans that are running for politics that have real leadership. And what do they do? And how, what do they lead? Where do they lead? How do they lead? You know, that's not leadership, man. I don't even think the president is a leadership position. 
there's not there's no leadership there. It's basically management and playing politics. Um, I thought Trump was a leader. I actually do think he's a leader. The guy stood up and he stood between us and all the threats that were out there, potential threats, North Korea. Okay, say what you want. They didn't fire a fucking missile after that. They got pretty goddamn quiet after a while. Everybody just shut down, you know? And here we are. We're on the cusp of another goddamn world war. I guarantee when Russia goes into Ukraine, China's going into Taiwan. Hell, North North Korea might make some moves. I can see Iran's attacking Israel. And here we go. Why? Because we don't have a leader. We have some freaking dumbass manager, okay, run the company, mismanaging the whole thing. So that's got to change the mindset. We can't be voting for politicians, man. We need to be voting for real leadership. And real leadership, it's hard to find. The, the, even the military, not everybody in the military is a leader, but some are, right? The churn, I would say the military churns out the best leaders. And by the way, they're not always general officers either. In fact, you know my take on that. I think the best leaders in the military are what? Your non-commissioned officers, your sergeants majors, right? Your master sergeant, your sergeant first class, even your corporal. Even your corporal is the best leader. Those are the kind of men we need. For the guys that have, or women, that have that leadership, that, that the leadership traits, the leadership drive experience, but also know how to balance that with, you know, doing the right thing, morality and ethics. You know, all, you can't be taught leadership. You have to have it. You I mean, you can be taught leadership traits, you know, and build on what you have. But true leaders, I think, are born, right? And true leaders can be taught laws and, and all the nuances of being a, in the government, you know, in politics. But it's hard to take a guy that's a manager who knows all this, a politician knows all this stuff about, you know, politics. You go, we need you to be a leader and learn that. Good luck with that shit, you know? Um, so anyways. Yeah, no, no, it's, no, but, but, but it is true. But I think more importantly is, is if we don't do anything, we get what we fucking deserve. Yeah, absolutely. We just do. Yeah. I agree. And that's, you know, and that's what, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. It ain't sexy. Nobody wants to do this job because it's dirty. Um, nobody wants the personal attacks. They know it's part of the, it's part of the politics, which is funny, right? It's like this politics is like this thing. You have to, you have to endure certain indignities and, and humiliation and personal attacks to be a politician because it's savage only because we allow it to be savage. You know, there's no more respect. You know, you know, a guy can't go up there and run for, for a political office without all his laundry being dragged out, you know, in, in his history. And, and I would argue, you know, just because a guy's got some dirty laundry doesn't mean that he's not a leader and doesn't mean that that's behind him and past him, you know. Um, and it, it, for example, you know, if they were to come at me and go, oh, you know, you would, you know, you did this, you did that, you blah, blah, blah. I'd say, you know what? It doesn't matter what I did because what I'm doing today is not for me. It's for yeah. you, right? I'm, I'm doing it for you. So, you know, and this is what I want to do for you not what I want to do for me. And that's where most politicians fail. They come in and they lie and tell people what they're going to do for them, but actually what they're doing is for themselves. You know, that's what it comes down to. They're just doing it for themselves. I don't give a shit. You know, I, I like, I'm like you. I just want to take care of my kids, future generations, you know, and the kids, future generations, not just mine, but all future generations in this country, because we are being watered down to the point where you better hope we don't go to Ukraine. We're going to get our ass kicked. Yeah. We are going to get our ass kicked. Yeah. We are going to get our ass kicked. Period. We, we're going to get our ass kicked. God, you know, God bless them, U.S. military. You know, they can fight. But even that system has been broken. We saw what happened in Afghanistan. All right. We got piss poor leadership at the very top. Those guys are not leaders, by the way. They're generals. 
Everybody go with their leaders. No, they're generals. They're managers. They're like corporate executives. Should have a goddamn sergeant major up there running. I guarantee you that shit wouldn't have happened. None of that would have happened. You know, we have been we have been inculcated a mindset for so long that you know you know we think about General Custard. You know, Battle of Bighorn. Standard, you know, wait, it was attack, attack, kill the Indians, you know? Okay, he might have been a leader back then, but since that time, it's kind of devolved into something else. You know, if you ain't a West Point graduate, you're really not a, an officer, you know? And uh, what does all that mean? You know, nobody, I mean, for the most part, don't get me wrong, I got a lot of friends that are officers, you know, and I don't mean to disrespect them, but I guess call it what it is. You know, the officers go, I got an idea. Uh, can we attack that, that bunker? And he looks at the sergeant major and goes, hey, sergeant major, Round up the troops, formulate a plan, let's attack that bunker. Then the sergeant major does all the work and attacks the bunker. Yeah. Right? While the, while the other guy's standing back, the officer's standing back going, hey, good job. I did. Look, look what I did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's what it really, that's the reality of it. You know? Nobody wants to say that because they don't want to insult anybody. And, and uh, you know, and they're afraid they'll get attacked, you know? And, and you know me, man, I don't care if I get attacked. I like a fight, you know? Come at me with your best shit if that's what you want to do. Um, I'm not backing down, man. Anybody. I'll, I take a, we'll wrap this up in a minute, but my take on, um, on having all the dirty laundry aired is we can sit here and say whether or not it should happen. To me, it's, that's irrelevant. To me, it's, I don't want my dirty laundry, my dirty laundry aired. All right. Get, get over it. I mean, but truly like, like, get the fuck over it. Tommy, you did this. You cheated on your wife and you said this back then. Yeah, that was shitty. Anyways, this is what I'm going to do for the kid. Get over it. Oh, yeah. you, you you said grab him by okay. Fuck off! Hey, you cheated. Like right out. now, Joe Rogan, right? They're that's what I'm saying. Out, just going, just fuck off, right? So anyone that's worried about having your dirty, fuck, just okay. Take it in stride. Somebody called you fat. Somebody called you ugly. Roll with it. Got it. Noted. Thanks. This is my tax plan. Just fuck off. Like when the bullets are flying, I get where you get angry. Where you go, hey, they're shooting at me. But if someone's like, uh, he said this in 2005. Turn off the TV. Just fuck off. What's yeah. more important? Protecting the place where you grew up and you love or someone going, uh, did you know he made a Twitter post like this? Eight years? All right. <laughs> Just, okay. <laughs> fuck over it. If that's all they have, then that's good. What's bad is when they start fucking shooting at you. If all they have is you're a racist, hey, pff, alrighty. But you know what? Yeah. Like Rogan standing up and like Rogan fighting against censorship and talking about all this shit. They're going to attack you with everything. Good. Let them come at you because that's all they have. That's all they have. And so <clears throat> fucking keep moving forward. That's what it is. Move forward. You cannot apologize. You cannot bend the knee. You give them an inch, they'll take a mile. You cannot show any weakness. This fucking mob is a, a, a demonic, godless, self-hating. They hate the West. They hate everything about the nuclear family. There is no place for love for yourself. It's all about guilt. Fuck all of them. Do not bow to them. And if you did apologize to them, fine. It's in the past. Don't do it again. Do what you know is right. Do it with righteousness. Do it respectfully and honestly. And just just do it. Just, just fucking do it. And that's my soapbox. Now Dale and I both got our heart rates jacked up. God damn it. Um, but, uh, Dale, let's wrap this one up. Uh, I'll send it to you when it's up. As always, all, right. all of your links will be in the description. And as always, another great talk, brother. Thank you so much, right. Dale. God bless. Sure. Take care, everybody. Recording God bless stopped. America. Peace.